You're listening to the Restore OKC Q&A podcast, where we answer your questions about Christian community development and racial reconciliation. We hope you leave more empowered to radically love your neighbor and pursue justice in your own community. What's going on, party people? It is Ernest O'Dunsey, and I am one of the directors at Restore OKC. Thank you for clicking and checking out the Restore OKC Q&A podcast. This week is special because, one, we just have some incredible things to announce, uh, some things that are happening in our community with young people and with adults. Like, we just have so many uh, cool things going on, but we have something large to announce today. But... Just as uh, tremendous as that announcement will be, this next announcement is, I'm joined by just a man who, who uh, when I think about this city and, and what's needed to get us from a place of being historically known as a place you de- never want to go to, because it's a city that is plagued by certain types of injustices. When I think about how we're going to repair some of those historic injustices, I think about this brother sitting across from me, Mr. Apollo Woods. How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. I feel like I need to get the, you to write that down somewhere so I can have somebody else repeat that when they introduce me. You're welcome. I'm, I'm going I'm to do some uh, annotation <laughs> okay. and, I'll, and I'll forward it to you. I got you. And Appreciate you can it. just use that in all hey, of your I'm bios and everything. <laughs> Hey, do you remember how we first met? I don't. We first met at Thelma Parks Elementary. That's right. Yes. Because <laughs> Jessica was the uh, assistant principal. Let's see. At that principal. time, what was happening? See, uh, we went through, a, we, we've gone through tons of transitions at this schools. This is one of the schools where Restore Schools has classroom care teams. And so we've been uh serving this school for four years and so a couple years ago jessica johnson was the new either assistant or 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 um interim principal i can't remember which yeah, it was one interim i think she was assistant mm-hmm. the previous year uh yeah because yeah. she's my leadership class or classmate mm-hmm. i was getting my getting my tour and you were painting the walls painting the walls <laughs> you know it and i was doing some bulletin boards yeah. and and um she was like, there is this guy that you must know. And I don't know if it's because we're both bald headed with glasses or <laughs> if it's because of the work we do. But she introduced us. And 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 got since then, I've that. been nothing but impressed. I so. appreciate it. I forgot all about that. <laughs> <laughs> so we have a lot going on in the community. But I bring uh, Apollo onto the podcast because he is the director, founder of OKC Black Eats. Did I get that right? You got Director, that right. Director, founder? You got it okay. right. Okay. And um, can you tell us a little bit about what OKC Black's, Black Eats is? Um, we're actually, it's a marketing consulting company. Um, people in the beginning often confuse us with being, oh, you're a food blogger. Like, mm-hmm. that's bigger than food. And honestly, because I had to repeat that so much. It became part of a slogan that we use now. Uh, our mission is bigger than food. Yeah. So, and even how it started, it's not something that I wanted to do, honestly. Mm-hmm. I had a whole other plan of a different type of business. I was going to start being moving back from Houston. Mm-hmm. And um, I knew that there needed to be more visibility of our black-owned restaurants. I, I saw directories trying to find them on my own because mm-hmm. Oklahoma City has grown so much. Yeah. I left Oklahoma in 99. Mm-hmm. So I've been gone from Oklahoma for about 17 and a half years a lot changed a that lot time, has it? changed yeah. so i saw this growth and i was like there has to be more than 12 black on restaurants so 
start out with just being intentional, inviting some friends, having some brunch, um, support restaurants. And then that grew to, are you going to do it again? And I was like, no, because I got something else I was trying to do. And then people kept asking for it. And then it grew from just about brunch to learning what our black owned businesses needed in terms of resources to using my, you know, influence on boards to provide those and building trust. And now three and a half years late, three and a half years later, uh, there are 67 black owned restaurants in the Oklahoma city metro area. Uh, we've had initiatives that have produced more than $450,000 in direct spending to black owned businesses. Wow. And, um, yeah, and a, and a ton of other things. So it's it's led to a lot of different conversations and opportunities. Yeah, and, and it seems like every time I get invited to a meeting, there you are <laughs> sitting there. And I'm like, why am I even here? Why am I even here? So, yeah, it's all, all to say you have your hands in a lot yeah. of pots. Yeah. So let me ask you this question. The, the, the title of the episode this week will be, can we eat good? Can we eat good? And that comes from one of my favorite rappers, uh, Show Baraka, in his album called The Narrative. There's this lyric that says, like, why when I share my faith, it's called intolerance. But when I share their hate, it's called scholarships. And then he gets to this part. And why I ain't got no whole foods in the hood? All I see is fast food here. Can we eat good? That's the lyric. And so the question I throw mm. to you, Brother mm. Apollo, is why can't we eat good? Um, here we are mm. nestled in Oklahoma City in uh, the predominantly African-American portion of our town. Right. And the scary thing is the lyric that I just read, it's not just Oklahoma City. It's nearly every predominant African-American town right. that when you drive around, you're going to see fast food, fast food, fast food, liquor store payday loan, fast food, fast food, fast food. And the question is, is that just what we deserve or why Why is that the only options that we have in our communities? You know, it's, it's interesting that you say that. And my, my thoughts about why we don't have easier access to foods that are going to help us live longer, not just in terms of our health, our weight, uh, our mental health, our mental clarity, all of that is Oklahoma is trending toward being the, the from number four to the third hungriest state wow. in the United States. So, Do you know what the other three are? Who the other three or anyone I, below us? I, I'm going to assume it's a southern state. <laughs> I, was about to say, right? I, can, right? I can make some guesses, but I don't want <laughs> my emails to be a southern state. Okay. We'll just but, leave it at that. Go so, ahead. Right. So when you look at it from a high level of one, we're top four currently. Mm. Then breaking that down to um, areas of our state that are predominantly black, why are they so under-resourced? So when you compound, we're already in a hungry state, and now you're compounding that to the systemic redlining, gentrification, uh, taking resources out, uh, manipulating our, um, how do I say this, manipulating um, us to feel like that we're getting more when we're really not. When you take, when you look under the hood yeah. uh, of the of the vehicle that they're they're presenting, it does make you wonder why can't we have what other communities have? Yeah. Now I think of it this way: 
especially supporting restaurants, how much of that is what we know and experience Mm -hmm. and how much of that is being programmed? Because if I can tell you all the great things we have, you can start to then think about we, we do have more than what I thought. So when I tell people, no, there is a restaurant that's been serving fresh juices for more than 10 years. Mm-hmm. It happens to be on 27th and North MLK. Yeah. When I say, oh, there's actually a, a, a small convenience store that accepts SNAP benefits and it's healthy foods. It's right there at 23rd and Kelly. Mm-hmm. Um, it takes your concentration um, off of, yes, the grocery store 23rd and MLK is gone. We don't know when the grocery store at 36 and Kelly is going to open. We're waiting for Homeland and anticipating that to open. You stop thinking about what we don't have and trying to shift your brain for a period of time. Because you can only shift it to a period of time for so long before you say, you know what? I'm working hard to think about what we have and supporting that. But I still got to deal with the reality that we don't have a grocery store. Yeah. Because I'm going to get reminded, even though I'm being intentional, Every day, I'm probably going to get reminded of I got to go somewhere else and take my money somewhere else outside of where I live in my ward and they get my money, mm-hmm. but that tax money is not staying here. Yeah. So it becomes a constant reminder and you get fatigued. Mm-hmm. And you're like, man, I want to eat good. And you're like, you know what? Today, I'm going to go down here and just get me some fast food. Yeah. But it's easier to, um, get a fast food joint on a corner than it is to say, why is it so complicated to get fresh food from farms? Why? And you get the, we're working toward it. Okay. That sounds good. But if you want to make it happen, you can actually make it happen. Yeah. Right. So it is to me, it's, it's a, I've just convinced myself that if I want to keep my sanity, I have to tell myself I'm going to focus on what we have. Yeah. And I'm we're going to have to address collectively with different thoughts on what's going to be re- the effort required to get what we need from ourselves first. Yeah. Then I can say now I know what I need from you. But right now, I believe that a, every community, I don't care where you are, what your economic status is, what your educational background is. We have been a resilient people for many years and there's a lot that we can do by ourselves. Mm -hmm. So that way I can tell somebody, no, I don't really need that. I need this. Yeah, that's good. That's good. So what you just said, I I really, really like uh, when when you stated that we can do it. Uh, that reminds me of a meeting that that we were at um, and you came in and you had this shirt and on it, I, I was speaking to this group and I was telling them how some groups need to be unapologetically black. And then it's funny because people start mur- murmuring and then they start pointing and looking at you and I'm like, what they, what did I do? Did I call them a bad name or something? And then uh, all of a sudden you kind of... <laughs> Open up your, your, your sweater and your just, shirt says unapologetically yeah. black. Yeah. Um, and what I believe is there are some groups that need to be unapologetically fighting for the hearts and the resourcing of particular groups of people. Absolutely. And that is uh, that that's not re- reverse racism, as some people would say. It's actually helpful. Yeah. Uh, 
And then other groups, uh, and this is where we fall in, we're about reconciliation, which means, yes, we're in the block, but we're also going to build bridges to the burbs. That's, that's what we're called to. Um, let me ask you this question, because as you said, we're in a food desert. We have shortages. Right. We need solutions. Right. Um, our solution has been an internship mm -hmm. program. Mm -hmm. And um, in this room, you can probably hear the difference in my voice because I have a mask because we have three additional individuals in the room with us right now. We actually have some of our interns in the room with us right now. And they are going to introduce themselves because uh, we're going to announce something uh, a little bit later. But they're going to in introduce themselves first. To my left, I have Miss... Phoebe Deason. <laughs> and Phoebe, you can tell us what uh, grade are you in? And also, uh, how did you even hear about the Restore OKC internship program? Yeah, so I'm a junior in 11th grade, and I heard about the Restore OKC internship program uh, through my mom, who I think she heard it from you. Uh, just through conversation um, and thought that it would be a great opportunity and um, starting job for me. So she let me apply and the rest is history. Awesome. Awesome. So this is one of our superstar interns. And next we have Mr. Markel Kendrick. Hey, Markel, what grade you in and how did you hear about the Restore OKC internship program? Um, so I am in the 10th grade, a sophomore. And... Um, I uh, found out about this internship from a man named Mr. Lampkin, and we used to work with him. And Miss um, Ann saw us and took us in for the first summer program, and um, we just I just kept working here ever since. So, and Ann is the director of Restore Farms, and our next superstar intern is Mr. My name is Kimani Hammond. I am a sophomore, and I have the exact same story as Markel. We was working, teaching kids coding and scientific method, and Miss Ann came along, and we learned from the internship from there. And from then on, I just continued to come back and continue working and help out the community. Nice, nice. So these are three of our 15 superstar interns, and we just have some specific questions about can we eat good? All right, so Mr. Kimani, tell me, what is something you've learned in the internship program that you think would be beneficial for our community? I think we work better as a team and that we get to notice out that this community does need help and that we are in the food desert and that we need support from outside forces and from people that we normally want to talk to, but we feel like can give us the need and help that and care that the community needs. Nice. Nice. Since you've been in the internship program, what is one thing that you learned about yourself since you've been in the internship program? One thing I learned about myself is that I actually can do good working with others and I am a great team leader because getting here, I really wasn't good working with others. I would have some conflict with people in my group or people that I worked with, but coming here, I got the opportunity to lead and the opportunity to show people that I can do what they don't think I can and that I can be better than what people have in their thoughts and I could just be there when needed. Yeah. So Phoebe, 
as we sit in this room, you're surrounded by one, two, three, four, five males in this room uh, recording a podcast. And uh, you are part of a farm internship, which historically most people would be like, women don't do farming. (laughs) But then secondly, also, we are in Northeast Oklahoma City, which is 86% African-American. And you're not African-American. How has it been being Caucasian working in a predominantly African-American community? Two questions. Um, Ernest, those are some great questions. Um, To the first one, I will say I pretty quickly debunked the you're a woman working on a farm. Um, I think Markel might remember this story. We were shoveling mulch. I think it was like the second, first or second day of internship uh, that I had been working here. And as we were shoveling mulch, um, they were arguing over who had to push the wheelbarrow to the other mulch pile. And while they were arguing, I was sitting there finishing up shoveling. And then I just kind of grabbed it and walked off. And just like, okay, you guys can argue, figure that out. I'm going to... I'm going to move this over there. You know what? That says a lot about your character qualities, but it also says a lot about those boys and their mm-hmm. character, their work <laughs> ethic, their abilities. It says a lot about uh, them too. Right. I totally agree with you. <laughs> to the second question, that, that has been an ongoing thing in my life, not necessarily being Caucasian in an African-American community but also being Caucasian in a Iraqi Muslim community. Mm-hmm. And not only just Caucasian, but also Christian. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's a big part of my identity as a person. Um, and I have my parents to thank for that because they constantly put me in environments where I was a minority while not being a minority. Mm-hmm. And while that, that's kind of like a really confusing statement, um, To kind of break it down, as a white person, I'm not a minority in America. Mm -hmm. But being the only white person in the room Mm -hmm. makes me somewhat of a minority. Situational minorityism. Yeah, right. Yeah. I just made that up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's a great great (laughs) word. Um, Great sentence. Um, And so because of that, I struggled for a long time with my identity. And there was a lot of times where I was in situations with other white people, um, other schools that I went to, and a lot of hurtful things would be said towards the Muslim community that I was involved in. And because of that, it just challenged and pushed me to constantly speak up, to constantly be the person in the room to debunk those mythological ideas yeah um even even at risk of losing face um in certain circles yeah yeah, that's hard to do yeah um yeah i lost a lot of friends Mm -hmm. uh, at school they just kind of decided i was too intense yeah (laughs) Um, i've been called intense a couple times (laughs) in my life Uh (laughs) that's Uh good that's good uh markel yes sir yes sir quick question for you so tell me something. Yes, we have a farm, five acre farm. We got greenhouse, community gardens. We got chickens now and we're about to have goats uh, sometime. Uh, that's well and good and awesome. But unless you plan on being a goat herder, 
uh, it may not be the most applicable skill that you learn. So tell me something that you have learned as part of this internship that isn't agriculture focused that you think is going to be helpful for you in whatever career you pursue? Um, so that's a good question because there's two things actually that I've learned from this place that I've really, you know, taken to heart. So first, um, so when I first came here, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. And at the time when I was working with Mr. Lampkin, I was like, hey, I might want to be an engineer because they do amazing things. And they and like I wanted to do it, but it was like not really like I wasn't like driving too much to push myself to do it. Yeah. But when I came here, I learned about how much time and work agriculture takes. So and when I heard about the animals and then this is the second Thing. So when I learned about the animals, I wanted to be a vet because I wanted to take care of animals and I love animals actually. And um, it's just really, and this place has really pushed me because it, it teaches me what I want to do in my life because I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And like, this gives me an idea of what I needed or what I, this is giving me that little push or that little drive to do what I wanted to do. That's awesome. It's, it's cool when that can happen at a young age because yeah. I'm 35 and I still don't know what I want to do with my life. Yeah, uh, somebody help. Somebody help me. Yeah. Somebody, somebody help. Paulo, help me. Help me. Help me get my life together. I'll do the best I can, brother. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, there's like, a, and you never know, there might be changes in that. But right now, I really want to be. And when I heard about Miss Ann doing um, Friday things with um, your career, mm -hmm. and we might be seeing things we want to do I was really excited because I wanted to really be hands-on and be like and see how vets actually work so so this is a great segue into our huge announcement right now we are actually in the middle of a giving campaign and the giving campaign is called cultivate community because what we're doing is improving our physical infrastructure, but then also what we're doing is increasing our ability to have more interns. And you want to be a part of this campaign. Uh, we're raising money so that we can actually, uh, on our five acres, we have two acres that are unused that we are converting into a barn for animals, uh, we, we plan on having an event space uh, down below. We want to have a teaching space for the interns. We want to expand our orchard, expand our community garden. There, we have so many things we want to do so that we can have more interns, but then also improve the property so we can have more jobs for adults in our community. And so we want you to be a part of the campaign Cultivate community. Just head on over to RestoreOKC.org and right there on the home screen, you'll, you, you can't miss it. Uh, you have an invitation to be a part of Cultivate Community campaign. But what I want you to do is motivate the people. Speak to, and I'm going to come to you first, Kimani. Answer this question for me. Should a young adult join the Restore OKC internship, but then second to that question is, 
why should someone listening right now invest in you young people? So I feel like, in my personal opinion, uh, a young person my age or a little bit younger should do this internship because it's a good learning it's a good learning uh, experience you can find yourself you get to meet other people you get to know what you want to do if you don't know what you're going to do past middle school high school whatever grade you're in they will help you find this out they will help you try to get in touch with people in the career that you want to do when you grow up and it's just a good learning experience I feel like uh, people should donate towards our cause because we are the next generation. We are here to help build something greater out of nothing. And we are here to show people that our voices can be heard and that they need to listen to, well, not need to, but they should listen to young people because we are more than just baby faces and bright young smiles. We can be impactful we can be important and we can make a way to the next generation past us that's incredible that's incredible appreciate you markel yes sir should a young person join this program and even while kimani's talking it, it reminded me that i said it wrong you're not the next generation you're actually the now generation so thanks for correcting me y'all are the leaders of actually today not tomorrow but should a young adult join this program? And then secondly, to someone's listening, why should they contribute to expanding this internship program? So definitely, because uh, a young person should do this because it really builds character. And the thing is that people now, like kids nowadays, are like lost on what they want to do like how I was and I feel like this place can really impact them to do something good because this is a good thing to do because help comes in many ways many size many sizes and we need to be there because why not because this isn't this isn't a little game this is something important that's great for this community and um for the people out there watching I think you should really invest because we aren't just kids. We are we are here to make this this neighborhood better and great and we're doing it one step at a time. And many people already know the great things that we've done and they've seen it and they know what's happening in the next probably 5 months or how long because this place is growing fast. And it, this might actually be a legit farm and it it will be great and i want you and y'all should just stay to see how this turns out thank you thank you sir well said phoebe is coming to you last should a young person go ahead and join this program and why should someone invest in this program which is investing in you yeah so i think definitely a young person should join the program and I think why that is um, for me is experience. I think that's something that both Kimani and Markel kind of mentioned is like it's it brings experience. And for me as a white person, that experience is diversity, um, which is so important because that's something that like God created. God created diversity. And while there's so many people who fear diversity and fear differences, I think it's something that should be embraced and celebrated. 
And that, for me, that's what this community gives me. It gives me the chance to celebrate diversity every single time I come. And I get to talk about it with other people. It gives me something to talk about, to connect to diversity with something I do every single week. And um, so that's why I think young people should definitely join and join in the diversity, come to the party. Um, and I think people should invest in it because that's an important message. Like, um, not only are we trying to end a food desert, but we're also celebrating differences. And that is, that's what tomorrow should bring. Yeah, that's, that's, that's phenomenal. And if you haven't heard already, um, we have some powerful, powerful, powerful teenagers uh, in our midst. And we are grateful that each and every one of them chose to be a part of this program and have entrusted themselves to our leadership. We're just so grateful for each and every one of our interns. And this is where you come in. We're grateful for these interns because eventually we believe that they're going to just shape the state um, and definitely transform our city, but it shouldn't stop there. We're also thinking about all of the young adults that aren't here. So we have 15 now. We have 15 individuals that get to come, be a part of community, get to learn these incredible lessons, get to get on a trajectory towards a career, uh, get, to, get to do discipleship, learn, hear about the Bible, and all, all, all types of stuff. But we don't want it to stop there. We want to expand to more. We want to see more youngsters being able to, to come and benefit from, from the same types of uh, services and relationships that they do. So we would please ask that you join in with us. Uh, head over to the website and join the Cultivate Community campaign so that we can expand this program. And right about here is where Reese inserts the clap track because these interns are amazing. All right. So thank you guys so much. Kimani, Markel, Phoebe, thank you guys so much for being a part of this podcast. It was great to be here. Thank you. Bye and thank you. Party people. Every week, we normally start with a kingdom sighting. I didn't this week because you just heard from my kingdom sighting. Genuinely, every day we are inspired by these, by, by these teenagers. Just inspired. Because uh, once you get that spark, you just have somebody invest in your life. And you find out that you're good at something and you grab it and you start running, running, uh, running with it. Incredible things can happen. That's my testimony of being able to learn coding in seventh grade. And eventually when I became a felon, I was able to start a, a, a web building uh, business because of what I learned in seventh grade. And that's what we want for these teenagers is that they learn that spark early so that the foolishness that can happen while living on the block, it just begins to drift away because you have something you're living for. And that's what we want for our young adults. Hey, Apollo, we're going to wrap up now. And we wrap up by offering a resource to our listeners uh, that, that can help them in the conversations that we are having. What resource would you recommend to the people? Uh, you know, here lately, I've been um, picking up a, a, 
of different books about understanding black towns. Because mm-hmm. I, I, I firmly believe as we if we understand the trials and successes of during the civil rights movement and even even beyond, then we have a better idea of what we actually should be focusing on. So I, I found this book on Amazon. It's called Black Towns, Black Futures. The Enduring Allure of a Black Place in the American West, which actually talks about black towns in Oklahoma. Mm. And it, it's just amazing hearing the stories about how those towns were established. Yes. But even how those communities broke down mm-hmm. and many of those black towns don't exist mm-hmm. anymore. And that understanding has helped me realize how and to a large degree of why our community and the Northeast community has not have the same identity. Mm-hmm. You know, with the systematic elimination of Deep Deuce was the core of our identity yeah. and how the struggle has been. It took from 1915 to 2017 to uh, where there is not one Black-owned business visible in that community. Yeah. 102 years to eliminate. Mm-hmm. Whereas Tulsa has survived and they still have businesses that exist and their North Tulsa community is thriving off of Greenwood and Black Wall Street. So that would be a resource that I would recommend. Um, the author of that book is Carla Slocum, S-L-O-C-U-M, and you can get that book on Amazon. That's a great that's a, that's a great recommendation. It reminds me of one of my recommendations, which was Impact. And Impact is a, it's a specifically a book about Oklahoma and the history of black, uh, of, of black residents throughout the history of Oklahoma. And it is a tragic history. But I enjoy that book, especially the chapters about the all-black towns, because uh, very few people know that Oklahoma had more all-black towns than any other uh, state. Um, I think at the heights, we either had 53 or 43. It was one of those two I, numbers. I think it was 53. And yeah, and they, these were all black towns, self-governed and, and beautiful. Mm-hmm. And then we know what happened in the 20s with um, Greenwood and Black Wall Street, mm-hmm. uh, which uh, during that time, a lot of those black to- towns decided, uh, began to crumble uh, from pressure in Internal and also external, mm-hmm. uh, mainly external. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's a great recommendation. Before we close, okay. I know you said we're going to close. I, I do want to share mm-hmm. um, how I've seen the kingdom work. Um, when I'm, I've been back in Oklahoma for four and a half years. So for the time that I've been here from 2016 and today, I am excited to see more intentionality and vocalizing and coming together and regardless if it's been a perfect attempt or not seeing the attempts of of young um what's youth those who are maybe high school age but really more of the um gen xers because i think oftentimes uh gen xers as a as a gen xer we're getting overlooked it's the young people we're like but what the we're gen xers are still out here doing a lot of great work to be an example to the millennials and even the, was it Gen Z, Gen Z now? So seeing that progressive growth of people being vocal and trying things and becoming more visible and to see other corporations are like, I didn't know this person existed or I didn't know there were 
as many black engineers or black community developers. They didn't know because of visibility. So I'm, I'm really loving to see the visibility because it's going to take us to take care of us and us to be at those tables, to have those conversations because all good intention, good intentions aside, if a person doesn't know what they don't know, they're not going to make the best decision. So whether you do uh, it disruptively mm-hmm. or um, any other way, uh, but being present and visible, the visibility is what I'm loving to see throughout this Oklahoma City. Yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying seeing that increase as well. And mm-hmm. you've had a lot to do with that. So, yeah, there. Uh, it sounds like we can we can say the same thing. Although these are discouraging times living in a pandemic, political turmoil, uh, relational strife increasing because of just all the craziness we're going through. Although things can seem bleak, I'm actually encouraged because I'm seeing and I think I hear this from you. Mm You're seeing that there are some positive things happening in this city as far as visibility, as far as black business owners being supported. 100%. There's an increase. There's, there's a, there's just a feeling uh, feeling in the air. There's energy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There's an energy right now. And I am grateful for that. Yeah. I feel that too. Mm -hmm. Hey, Apollo, thanks again for, for jumping onto this podcast. And before we sign out officially, uh, one, do you have anything else you would like the people to know? And then also, where can anyone catch up with you and learn and follow what you're doing in the city? Yeah, I'm easy to find. I mean, you you search OKC Black Geeks, you'll find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We're building up our YouTube. Have a website, uh, OKCBlackEats.com. If you search by name, <laughs> there's only one Apollo Wood, so you'll find you'll find me there. And I think the last thing I have is a challenge to people who are listening. Is be intentional. Be intentional in uh, supporting uh, farms like Restore OKC in the market. Be intentional in asking, you know, uh, kids you know at your church or your uh, in your community, your neighbors, to apply for the internship program. Be intentional in your donation. Mm-hmm. Be intentional with supporting uh, the Restore OKC market. Be intentional supporting those local businesses and resources in the community because when we support them locally. You add more resources. And what we know factually, when you support a local business, those dollars go directly to that community. And those um, people benefit who are, you can hire more. There's a direct benefit. So um, the hashtag would be just hashtag be intentional and the support because this is part of the solution Mm -hmm. to being food free. Mm -hmm. The other part, um, as you know, I like to talk about is policy. So that would be the thing that's coming is is addressing policy with our legislators to make sure that everybody is food free, not just uh, black folks that live on the east side. Yeah. Next time I have you on, we're going to make that the topic. <laughs> <Just> policy. <laughs> yes, sir. Food, life, just policy. Policy. That, 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 that can take up a whole couple hours on its own. So, brother, thank you so much man, for, I appreciate for, the invitation. for jumping on the mic, man. And um Hey, and thank you listeners for checking this out. You could have invested your time anywhere, but here you are with your, with your earbuds in listening to us talking about food desert. So thank you. You are the committed. And we are signing out live from Restore OKC. And as the once 
famous philosopher, um, apologist, um, scientist, I can't think of any other words, Kendrick Lamar once said, as long as God's got us, we gonna be all right. Holla. Restore OKC is a Christian community development ministry dedicated to bridging relationships of reconciliation for restorative justice. If you want to support this podcast or learn more about Restore OKC, please visit RestoreOKC.org. While there, please consider partnering with us financially to alleviate suffering in marginalized communities.